HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. With more than 30 weekly podcasts, HRN has something for every food lover. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. Hearst Ranch is a proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. Learn more about Hearst Ranch at hearstranch.com. Welcome, everyone. Um, we're really excited. Uh, first of all, bienvenidos a uh, Cooking in Mexico from A to Z. I'm one of your hosts, uh, Aaron Sanchez, alongside my beautiful mother. Sarela Martinez. Exactly. And uh, we are excited. We're launching mm-hmm. season four of Cooking in Mexico from A to Z on Heritage Radio Network, as you can imagine. And we are so excited because uh, we're going to talk about a topic that I think it, it deserves the attention and the recognition because it's such a vital part and such an instrumental part of Mexican food and culture. And of course, we're going to be talking about Afro-Mexican food and culture and its influence, how it's permeated all things in Mexico and and gone beyond its borders. We're super excited and beyond uh, uh, honored to have this unbelievable guest that we have today. I'm I'm talking about, of course, Professor Sagradio um, Cruz Carretero. And she is the uh, professor at the Institute of Anthropology of the University of Veracruz. She's a pioneer in the studies uh, about black culture and black population in Mexico, which I think is super important. And she's received many different accolades. Uh, one of the twice received the Gonzalo Aguilar uh, Beltran Award for historical uh, research in the African origin of, 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 of the people of Veracruz. And of course, she's an author of books and a lecturer. And she is here to really enlighten my mom and I about the Afro-Mexican uh, presence in Mexico and the world and also its culture and how and the food and how it's influenced and, and, and put its tentacles everywhere. So we are really happy to have you. Muchísimas gracias, profesora. We're happy to have you. Bienvenida, Sagrario. Bienvenida. So please um, talk to us a little bit about your interest level at its, at its core, at its origin. What was this? Is this part of your background? Where did it start? Thank you for having me here, and thank you for the invitation. Well, I started doing research about African presence in Mexico many years ago when I traveled to Cuba, and I realized the culture I was looking at that time in, in the island was very similar to the culture of, of my hometown, my, my, my family. Uh, they cook similar food. They speak in a different, in a, in, this, in similar ways. 
actually music the lyrics of the of the songs were were similar so i was determined at that time to do a research about african presence in cuba and what i decided at that time was to come back and start a research in veracruz um actually i realized that my family was black because i showed up some pictures some photos to a, a, a group of Cuban friends and they told me, oh, your, your father and grandpa are blacks. And I said, no, no, we are from Veracruz, just that. And they told me, no, no, your, your father and grandpa are Habaos, that it's uh, anonymous or classification of color in Cuba. And I, I was shocked at that time because I never thought my, my family was black. And when I come back and I asked my grandpa, why you never told me we are black? And he told me, no, no, we are not. We are morenos. We are not black. We are morenos. It's a different condition. And an aunt told me, well, the guilty one of that we are, we are black is uh, the Cuban great-grandma. So I started looking the the Cuban great-grandma and I never found her. What I found was a very interesting genealogical tree with African descendants who arrived to Mexico. And, and was a very interesting and personal quest and redefined my own identity and the identity of my family. And it's as I think is the general condition of many Afri Afro-descendants in Mexico that, that they don't realize, they don't see in the mirror this African heritage. And things uh, are changing now because the, the, the recent uh, legal process and, and, and the uh, awareness of being Afro-descendants Afro are, are different. You know, when, when I was doing research in Veracruz, nobody knew that they were black. I mean, you could see that they were black, but, but, they, but they, they, did not, they did not know anything about the food. They had absolutely no idea about how the influence they've had on the music. So I can totally relate to that with you. Exactly, exactly. There is a vast uh, cultural features of Africa, African origin. The problem is that we are illiterated to see them, to read them. There is, uh, well, I, I, can, I can name them one by one and, and you will be surprised. There is a, a, a sacred geography and a very vast uh, ethnobotanical, uh, ethnobotanical use, sacred medicinal uh, for cooking, um, different, different uh, animals, fruits, plants, uh, words in in Spanish, uh, different different elements of the African heritage that are invisible for regular Mexicans. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, so let's let's go to the food and find out what what do you think the principal ingredients are that are Afro descendant. I started paying attention to food uh, about uh, 25 years ago when Raquel Torres, my, my, my mentor, my professor, my, my grand maestra, 
uh, asked me for help to do a book of recipes, and they work. She worked together with Doris Cariaga, mm-hmm. and and I took them to the black communities where I was worked. I I was doing field work at that time. Um, and some of the ingredients that uh, Raquel, Raquel and Doris noticed and underlined at the time was plantain, yuca, malanga, rice and beans, um, soups like uh, gandinga, uh, that is a, a, a soup made of chitlins and vegetables uh, that is prepared for, for, uh, for festivities. And, but Around these ingredients, I, I found out many more uh, related to, to uh, alcohol preparation. Actually, alcohol and sugar is very close related to African presence because in colonial times, there was uh, uh, a legal prohibition that is established only Africans could be used uh, in mining, sugar plantation, and fabric, uh, fabric uh, factories. Why? Because they were lethal. The, the average of, of, live in, in, of life in that time uh, working in these enterprises were no longer than 50 years. So in, in a legal process of protection of indigenous since the 16th century, they established uh, indigenous shouldn't work in these enterprises. So the sugar production is close related to Africans. And preparations with alcohol, with sugar alcohol, uh, that we call in Spanish alcolaturas, uh, are close related to, to African heritage. They knew the exact point of production of sugar, the exact point of production of alcohol. And the mixture it with, with fruits, plants, uh, production of, of, of uh, these, these wines made of, of sugar, sugar cane alcohol are close related to African heritage. Is there a particular career that, that, or job that, uh, that, that Afro-Mexicans are involved in in these days, in the, in the present? Actually, actually, if you look at the census, the 2020 census, you can see the, that for the first time in history, there was included a question in the census for self-ascription. Mm. And thanks to this census, we have a panorama where the Afro-Mexicans are located now. Mm. And we have a very interesting results that Afro-Mexicans are, the, the largest population is in Mexico City. Mm. So we have uh, more than uh, about six, say, six, 600,000. 600,000 in, in Mexico City. It's a very large population. But in proportion, the states with the largest population is Guerrero, Oaxaca, and Veracruz. Yes. Actually, the second in total number is Veracruz. First, Mexico City. The second, Veracruz. So we are talking about urban population. So we, we have to, to eliminate this idea that they are farmers. Yes. They are working in urban areas with internet, but the problem is that we are 
blind to see this African heritage in Mexico City, and we have a very, very an overwhelming idea that Mexico is indigenous, indigenous and Spanish. So we have black population in proportion, larger black population in proportion in, in Guerrero and Oaxaca, mm. in mainly in Costa Chica. And many scholars who are coming to, to do research in Mexico, they are going to this area. Yes. And, and we have many studies in this area, but what's going on in Mexico City or what's going on in Veracruz? And we have to consider the African presence of the diaspora. The diaspora, it's, it means all this African origin population who emigrated in, in 20th century. Yes. So we have very recent immigration with all these uh, immigrants who crossed along Mexico and established, for example, in Baja California. Yeah. And now we're and now we are, and I think it's a very good point because you mentioned where are the, some of the enclaves and where are people that you would find Afro Mexicans you uh, in, in Mexico. You mentioned Oaxaca, uh, Guerrero, Veracruz, all of those beautiful communities. I think at its at its at its beginning, obviously because of the slave trade, sadly a lot of that influence initially came to Mexico. But I think it's an interesting point that you're saying that. Now, because of people's immigration going north from other parts of Latin America, they're starting to establish communities and having more of a new recent influence of Afro uh, uh, Afro uh, influence in Mexico. How different are the the customs and the food? You know, from Oaxaca, Veracruz, uh, Chiapas, or Mexico City. I mean, is there any difference in the cuisine? Of course, and the I think the 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 touch is the indigenous influence where they have established they have established contact. It's different the the influence of the indigenous from Oaxaca, from north of Veracruz in the region of Tamiagua, from central Veracruz with the influence of Totonacs, or the south part with the influences of of Popolucas. Uh, the touch and the, the essence is different. The same happens in, in Chiapas or between the Mascobos. The, the interesting thing is to do field work, collect the recipes, but more important, collect the relationship with the, the cocineras, yeah. with the cooks. And, and we, I have to add another black community that uh, has been put aside at our, the Black Seminoles, mm -hmm. the Mascogos, established in Coahuila. And another state that recent, in recent times has uh, organized and had to try to visibilize, visibilize their, their African heritage is Chiapas, mm -hmm. with a very oh, really? interesting mixture with indigenous and Germans. Mm. So we don't we don't have the final point of of the of the Afro Mexican history. Tabasco is now rescuing their their black cuisine and their ritual traditions with with the ritual of cocoa, the cacao, no, the, the mother cacao, uh, and relating this this connection with the cacao and the African heritage. And we have a very large evidence in, in inquisitional uh, processes, arguing the black woman used uh, chocolate to, to do a sorcery process. <laughs> uh, so 
so we we have to to pay attention to different aspects of of the uh, black cuisine. Um, for example, in recent times, people surpri get surprised when when I say the the uh, plant the banana leaf is an African heritage used in the tamales. Because many people think, oh, the Oaxaqueño tamal is, is very Mexican. Well, yes, it's Mexican, but has an African grandma. Mm. And it's interesting because many more and more people are paying attention to these different roots of the Mexican food. It's, it's, uh, it's not only this monolithic idea that Mexican food is indigenous and Spaniards. Besides, if we think about the Iberian roots, we have to think about Portuguese. Mm -hmm. Many recipes with African heritage were introduced thanks to Portuguese because they were one of the most important slave traders in the Americas. So when we talk about African food, we think they arrived with Africans, but we don't think that they also arrived through the Portuguese who established in New Spain, and they were they had uh, they were a large population. Actually, many words in 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 the Spanish that we speak in in Veracruz is uh, that we think are is Spanish is Portuguese. Mm. Uh, or, or, or dishes, very simple dishes like pambazo, uh, that everybody knows pambazo, it's Portuguese. It means pan bajo, pan bajo. Yeah. It's actually uh, like a, like mm -hmm. a, almost like a biscuit. Exactly. And, uh, and, and what other, you know, you, I think it was you who gave me that wonderful recipe for the pork and pumpkin sauce. It has become very popular, you know, in all my parties and everywhere. Because, you know, in, in this website, in this uh, our, our podcast, Aron and I are exploring the different influences mm -hmm. of Mexican food. Exactly, exactly what you're, what you're saying that you're going to be doing, we have been doing. In fact, we want to, we have somebody of Lebanese mm -hmm. extraction joining us. And we're looking for an expert in Chinese and Chinese food and see how it has influenced Mexican food. Or simple, a very common dish, the rice and beans. Mm -hmm. Rice with black beans. Yeah, I don't, I don't have a beautiful recipe. That is called recipe. casamiento. Or moros y cristianos. Moros y cristianos. Mm -hmm. We have this common denominator in very, very many, many areas with, with African heritage. Why? Because we think the rice has an Asiatic origin. Mm -hmm. But the reality is that there was an African rice that was black, mm -hmm. that actually is black. So oh, really? all, all the, the, my hypothesis is that Africans wanted to get darker this white rice, mm. and that is why they added mm. these black beans with, of American origin. I have to tell you that Aron makes the best casamiento. He makes the absolute best. It's a wonderful yeah, the Moros y Cristianos. No, because I learned from from great Cuban Cuban señoras that told me how to do it. Where you put the, you don't ever have to measure the water. All you have to do is stir your sofrito, put your 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 bean liquid, black beans, and then once the spoon stands up, you know you have enough rice to water. That's an old school technique. 
So ah, nunca tienes que medir lo que tip. es el agua. Nada más, you know, you just add the, the bean liquid, and when the spoon stands up, you're good. And then you cover that with banana leaves, and then you cook in the oven. Because when you cook rice in the oven, it actually cooks more evenly because you have heat from all sources, you know? So I think it, it was some of those, those, those simple techniques. And, you know, this subject is very, very important to me because my grandfather is Afro-Mexican, you know? Uh, I mean, where, the grandfather of my son. Uh, his name is Elizabeth, uh, you know, uh, Francisco Mora Catlett. And Elizabeth Catlett was the amazing sculptress that moved to Mexico City and studied in the taller with uh of with Frida Kahlo and Diego Rivera. Him. I know I know the Mora Catlett, yeah. of course. And Elizabeth Catlett married uh Francisco Mora, a Mexican artist. And exactly. That 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 is my 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 the mother of my child's grandmother. So Yes. So that oh, this, this subject oh, really touches know. me as well, you know. Of course. You know, so as of far course. as you know, my son's blood and everything and all of our, our heritage, so Hearst Ranch is a proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. The Hearst family has been raising cattle on the rich, sustainable native grasslands of California's Central Coast for over 150 years. Piedra Blanca Rancho in San Simeon is the original Hearst Ranch, founded by George Hearst in 1865. George's son was the famous publisher, William Randolph Hearst. In addition to being known for building the iconic Hearst Castle, William was, like his father before him, an avid rancher. In his words, I would rather spend a month at the ranch than any place in the world. Thanks to one of the largest land conservation easements in California history, a joint effort with the California Rangeland Trust, the American Land Conservancy, and the state of California, the working landscape at Hearst Ranch will be preserved forever. Learn more about Hearst Ranch at hearstranch.com. You mentioned plantain. I want to to underline the importance of plantain because in the black areas where the wheat of uh, uh, wheat uh, powder was was very very scarce, actually bread with with bread was exclusive for Spaniards. Mm -hmm. African descendants used plantain in substitution of bread. Mm -hmm. Actually, they produce different kinds of bread, sweet breads or desserts with the uh, with with uh, roots like yuca, malanga, camote, uh, yame. Uh, sweet yeah. sweet potato, ñame, uh, col buñuelos. That they, they are very similar to uh, acarajé mm -hmm. from Brazil. Yeah. They the deep free, deep oil fried. Uh, uh, All these frituras with deep oil has black origin, mm. and almost nobody knew. How did you all discover that? Oh, uh, the the text of Harris is published in the Skater Africa, and and different or others authors refer how the deep fried oil uh, products uh, of food uh, has black origin. And this adaptation of deep uh, uh, deep oil fried uh, el, la fritura en aceite profundo mm -hmm. has been adapted to the antojería of Mexico. Uh, how they they processes the the um, 
they process the shirlings in in deep fried oil. And that's interesting because deep frying was not something that was very typically Mexican, right? Mom, you would shallow fry. The idea of submerging something into oil was something that was brought from. Of course, we do have the 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 fried chicken. Yeah. The fried chicken that is very black. What? Well, it's the same in the Mexican food, and and indigenous and mixed race Mexicans adapted this process of cooking with antojería of maíz. Mm. But the originally we have this the pro process of this. Uh, I'm salivating, of this uh, food made of uh, yuca, camote, that they produced a bread like a donut, mm -hmm. and then they oh, yeah. eat it with, with uh, sugar cane, dark sugar cane honey. And the use of anise, I don't know if anise is the same in English. Mm -hmm. Well, the use of anise is a particular ingredient that almost nobody pay attention to. Anise not only gives flavor to the food, but also is a sacred ingredient of protection, protection against bad spirits and against sorcery. And bad and breath. Bad breath. <laughs> bad breath, right. Uh, and, and we are going to find this ingredient in the, in the black food, particularly the black food from the Cuenca del Papaloapan in southern part of Veracruz. Um, Another another interesting technique is the double cooking technique. Mm -hmm. You have an oven with a, that it's an improvised oven mm -hmm. with a clay pot, and you put a heat in the bottom and a heat in the top mm. with charcoal. Oh, I've never seen that. You've never seen that. What are some of the dishes? No, what dishes? That's totally new to me. Tell me about it. They in the in between the mascogos they prepare cornbread, and between the blacks of Coyolillo they prepare uh, camote or or plantain bread. Camote sweet potatoes, just for everyone that's listening. Camote sweet right. potatoes. Sweet potato, sweet sweet potato. Like for instance, in Tlacotalpan, we had some garnachas made the masa mixed with camotes. Mm. And a picadilla. And with plantain. And mm. it's interesting because this addition of plantain to the to the dough, it's because starving. Mm. This was the way to enlarge the bowl of dough uh, because Afro-descendants ha didn't have uh, access to, to, to corn dough like other other groups like the 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 white the Spaniards and why is that? Why is that? Because uh, we have a social pyramid where the and you can identify that the bottom is darker. Mm. The bottom. I know, but what I'm saying is why why didn't they have corn? Oh well, the corn why was couldn't they well have accepted corn? between the African descendants immediately. I know, but why were they not allowed to have it? Oh, because they were poor. And they didn't have their own properties oh. to cultivate the, mm. the, the corn. So because they were slaves or, or they free workers, but they didn't have access to land and to produce their own corn. Yeah, that's very interesting. And, and uh, they, they 
had to enlarge the corn uh, the the corn dow bowl with with a plantain, and it's a a very interesting touch of the antojeria or the production of antojitos in in the Cuenca de Papaloapan, and they and, and and a particular ingredient is anise, anise plantain, and the the process in deep oil fried is is a very interesting touch of this antojería. How about the combination of cilantro seeds and cumin? The the cilantro seeds I I haven't seen them in in a particular recipe. Uh, coriander seeds is also what they're called, coriander. The coriander, yeah, but no, not that I have seen. Mm. I haven't seen mm. that. But the um, the cumin is very common. Cumin, yeah. Cumin is it actually. Uh, uh, I'm very aware of cumin because I my father hated cumin, so <laughs> my mother had to stop using cumin in all the recipes. Yeah, so so it is is very very frequent uh, the, the use of cumin. Another another uh, recipe that I want to underline is the use of cacao in a beverage that is common in Costa Chica and in Veracruz and is popo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Popo means foam of fog in Nahuatl. Mm. So what they yeah. drink is the foam. Is What is popo? It's a traditional beverage prepared with uh, cocoa, uh, with... with um, uh, broken Corn. cocoa nut, the chocolate nut, is broken and and is smashed in the metate with uh, rice and is mixed with a plant that is a saponifera, that means that produce foam like a, like a soap. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the mixture produces a very fresh and delicious beverage that is prepared in sacred days, in festivities mm. days, like Virgin of Candelaria or in Costa Chica in the day of uh, Señor Santiago, in, in a very important festivities days. What was the name of the plant that produces the foam? Uh, I, I'm, it's similar to an orchid. An orchid. I... I don't recall Sarella, mm. but uh, what what I'm I'm paying attention here is how Afro descendants adopted and adapted the chocolate that is originally indigenous mm-hmm. and now is uh, prepared in uh, festivity and ritual days, and you drink the foam only the foam, no no the the uh, the liquid. What you are Drinking, it's like a breath. No, you know, mm. you you inhalate. Yeah, it's the beverage. Yeah, like oh, well, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, wow. exactly. So, it's interesting to me to re- establish a relationship with the use of this beverage and the accusation of inquisitional trials that black women uh, enchanted. Mm-hmm. Spaniards yeah. in colonial times, and that is why Spaniards were 
so crazy around black women that this is absurd. Mm -hmm. So that explains it, baby. <laughs> exactly. Oh. <laughs> Estaba embrujado yo. <laughs> uh -huh. Exactly, exactly. And thanks to that, the, the, the church, the Catholic church, in different areas of the of the Americas, prohibited the the Africans showed up their hair. That is why they started using the turban, because they thought the hair was the 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 cause. White people mm -hmm. fall in love of these Africans. Mm -hmm. That is why in all parts of the Americas. The, the colonized Africa and Europe, Africans cover their hair mm. because they, 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 the church thought that it was part of this enchantment oh, Africans wow. produce. And that is why Morelos, the, the independence leaders of, of Mexico, has this blanket on, oh, on his vale. head and uh, because he was African descendant and he was obeying this gotcha. this law that that prohibited the 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 exposition of the African hair, so it's interesting to establish this relationship with food, history, ethnography, uh, because suddenly you say, "Oh, that yeah, is I get why. it." Now you make the connection. I get yeah, it. Yeah. It makes sense. And where does the, the santería come in? Santería is a religious practice that is uh, predominantly in the Caribbean. Mm -hmm. Here in Mexico, I haven't found evidences of Santeria, uh, but in recent times, thanks to immigration of Caribbean people. But in ethnographical record from Mexico, I only have found religious practice between a group that is called Espiritualistas Trinitarios Marianos, that they, um, they, have, uh, they get in, in trance because the spirit descend on them and they cure. They, they, it's, it's a healing religion. Maybe they could cure me. Yeah, probably. But in, in, in other practices, uh, I mean, in black communities, I haven't found it. Wow. Well, this is, this is a topic, Mom, that we can continue to touch upon over and over again. I think it's important to have some follow-up. Uh, and as far as uh, Professor Sagrario, how can people get in touch with you, continue the conversation, maybe ask us questions, right, Mom, for some follow-ups? Uh, well, you can contact me. I'm on Facebook with my name, Sagrario Cruz Carretero. Uh, some of my publications are available online. You can get my book on Amazon, The African Presence in Mexico from Yanga to the Present. That is the catalog of the exhibition that I presented in the National Museum of Mexican Art in Chicago that was very successful. It was uh, on exhibit, uh, the exhibit was was uh, uh, presented during almost six years in different in eleven museums in Mexico and the United States. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah. if you uh, th there, there are many other publication Africa in Florida. There, that's another another publication. And remind us all about the the event, the Fogones uh, Mex where you're having all these beautiful scholars come to speak about Mexican food and culture. When is that going on? 
Exactly. Uh, well, it's going to be online and we start on February 19th. And there's going to be 17, 17 um, professors who are going to be talking about different heritage of Mexican food, indigenous, uh, different ethnic groups, the African heritage. Uh, the, the, actually, the most important is that the, we are going to help you to develop a process of research in terms of food in Mexico. Wonderful. Are there any contemporary Afro-Mexican restaurants exclusively? Not that I know that you can find out exclusively Afro-Mexican dishes. Mm -hmm. What you find out is restaurants that are preparing Afro-Mexican food and probably they don't present like that. Mm -hmm. But it's Afro-Mexican food. This antojería that yes. I'm telling to you. Snack foods. Uh, all the food from Cuenca del Papaloapan. Mm. The way of prepare uh, seafood. Actually, all the coctelería of, of cocktails of seafood. You can see that. We'll put up a list of all the of all the your books and articles, and, and, and eventually we're going to do a. a a page, you know, with all this information, because we want to support you, Thank you. and um, and I want I want to urge uh, everybody to read this article that she has on Facebook about the n different ways that that blacks identify themselves as Morenos, Negros, mm -hmm. Prietos, you know, because that's a fun article. So you just keep an eye out for uh, more articles. I actually have an article on African food in uh, up on the website that I wrote for the Los Angeles Easy. Times a long time ago. So there is some information on, on this fascinating culture that is becoming so important, especially this month, which is Black History Month. Yes. Exactly. So we wanted to thank exactly. you from the bottom of our hearts, Sagrario. You have been so beautiful with welcome. your presence and your knowledge, so generous. And this is what Cooking in Mexico from A to Z is all about, bringing topics that there might be some surface knowledge, but doing a deep dive. And you're... Uh, unbelievable well of knowledge is really uplifted and I think really informed a lot of our listeners and as well as my mom and I. So we thank you profusely for that. And uh, we really welcome. appreciate you being on the sh on our show and our podcast. And please always make sure that if you want to get more information, contact us, engage us at heritageradionetwork.com. Um, you can go to, uh, you know, obviously cooking in Mexico from A to Z on HRN to find out more information and engage with our guests. So we're really grateful for that. Thank you. Thank you very much. And, and I appreciate this, this opportunity you give me to, to speak because it's very important Mexicans uh, dare to take out their black grandma from the closet. And, and, yeah. Well, good and, for you. Yeah. And, and be aware that we have a very, very deep root of African heritage, and we have to be proud of it. Muchísimas Thank gracias. You. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you so much. That's Gracias. beautiful. Thank you. Hasta Thank luego. Thank you so much. Cooking in Mexican from A to Z is powered by Simple Cast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network food radio supported by you 
For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without your support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like. Tell your friends and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. Yeah.